Shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? My name is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. I have the honor, the absolute honor of sitting here with Alexandra Zaslav. She is the program coordinator for Minds in Motion, a cross-cultural dance initiative program. Did I get that right? That sounds great. Um, for children. Um, how's it going? It's great. How are you? Awesome. I'm so excited. You are, you have the distinct honor of being the first interview. Wow. I'm here for two weeks and this is it. This is the first one. So you just made Aliyah. I made Aliyah two years ago. Two years ago. That Mm -hmm. is, that's after we met. Right. So I was here for a year. We met doing a... um, Ulpan. Ulpan, exactly, in Beersheba. And I'd been working already for a year in Beersheba. And then I decided that I was going to stay in Israel, um, at least for the temporary long term. And so I decided to make Aliyah. Well, how did you... Now, all right, so you are a professional dancer. That's your job. That's your career track. That's an incredibly difficult one. Not everyone (laughs) makes it. And you're professionally trained, plus... You were trained at college, right? Yes, in my career. Where did you go? I went to Butler University. So they have a, um, a ballet bachelor's of fine arts. They have a very big dance program. Um, I don't know why, but a lot of the big dance programs were in the Midwest. And oh, so, really? Yeah. Indiana University, Butler University. Um, and I was there for four years. And I was training mostly my... I trained before that at Richmond Ballet and at... Um, Walnut Hill School for the Arts, and I'd been training mostly in ballet. And actually, while I was at Butler, I decided to do a semester abroad in Israel. And uh, this wow. is where I became interested in contemporary dance. Now, how did you wind up? Because I know you were dancing for a dance company in Beersheba in southern Israel right. and while you were in school, correct? No. Or no? So basically what happened was I was I, doing my first degree. While I did that... Um, <clears throat> I found a really unique program that's a training program at a kibbutz in the north of Israel called Kibbutz Gaton. And they have... Wait a minute. They would hold, whoa, 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 back up. A dance program at a kibbutz? There's a whole dance village within this kibbutz. What? It's a really amazing kibbutz. Holy cow. It was started by a Holocaust survivor. Um, this dance village with this dream of... Um, after she survived, she wanted to open um, a a dance community, a dance company in Israel. And so the, wow. the dance village itself and the company that's based there is Kibbutz Contemporary Dance Company or Kibbutzit. And they are um, a world-renowned dance company and they have a five to 10 month Massah training program. And um, it's with dancers from all around the world. Holy cow. So that's how I first came to Israel and I first came for dance. And I think what people don't Come know. Come to the microphone. I, yes. I'm sorry. And what people don't That's know okay. is that um, Israel on top of, you know, is maybe known usually internationally for conflict, if it's negative or for positive, for high tech. And actually right now, dance is really um, centered around Israel. Israel is like a dance mecca at the moment for um, the international dance scene. There's a really unique new movement vocabularies coming out of Israel. Um, there's a language called Gaga, which is now taught and exported internationally. And um, a lot of Israeli dance companies are touring internationally around the world. And so a lot of international dancers um, in this program, we had 40 dancers 
from anywhere from Asia to Europe to all over North America and South America that came specifically to train at this tiny kibbutz in the Holy north. cow. So that, that was what brought me to Israel originally. That's what made me fall in love with the dance scene in Israel. And that's what made me want to come back. Okay. Now, I'm... Uh, all right. So I, I have to be honest. Um, <laughs> I love Israeli pop. And it dancing is a major part of a, the vast majority of all the videos um, that are out. Trust me, I know it's not the same. It's not the same. But there is a lot of stuff that people are doing. So when you say that Israel is a dance mecca, it's I, I'm seeing it in the pop culture. You're seeing it in the artistic sphere. Um, that's really fascinating. That's phenomenal. Now, you were... Dancing for a company in Beersheba. And from what I understand, that's a pretty world-renowned company as well. Yes. Yeah, so that I so I went back. I finished my last year of my degree in the States. Then I did a bunch of auditions. And I really wanted to be in Israel. But I said, let's see where I end up. And I got a job with a company at this company that's in Beersheba. It's called Kamea Dance Company. And um, they're sort of, they're a contemporary dance company, but they pull a lot from, from ballet as well and have a lot of contemporary ballet um, choreographers from around the world they work with also. Okay. And um, they tour across Israel as well as internationally. Now, what goes into... All right, two questions. It's a two-parter. So first, what goes... What do you... I, I mean, I'm a monkey, so my concept of dancing is just probably nowhere near what yours is. So what goes into training and then what goes into now, once we have that lockdown, what goes into an audition? How do they parse between all of the dancers? Um, like that's a very big question. I know it's a big question. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's, it's okay. So training, it, it's, you know, it's individual for everyone, but usually especially if you come from more of the ballet world, you start when you're very young. So I started when I was around four. Okay. Um, and you train, you take multiple classes a week. And then now in this day and age in the dance world, no matter what type of dancing you do, you need to be versatile. So even if you're training in ballet, you'd also take modern and jazz and um, I don't know, even tap or uh, something along those lines. And you train, once you get to a high level, you're training every day for multiple hours every day. Like what kind of hour, like time-wise? So when I was in university, for instance, I'd have academic classes in the morning. Then I'd have an hour and a half ballet class. Then I could have, you know, another hour and a half modern class after that. And then I could have four more hours of rehearsal. And Holy. that would be every day. And Saturday, we'd also have rehearsal all day. In the company, you are supposed to be past more of the training aspect by then. So you mm -hmm. take a class to continue to develop yourself, but also as a warm-up, And um, you, the class would usually be around an hour and a half. We'd have an hour and a half ballet class usually in this company, but in another company, maybe it's a Gaga class or a modern class. Something to get your body moving, something to continue thinking about how to develop your technique um, and your artistry. And then you're in rehearsals basically all day, every day. So wow. in Beersheba, we worked from around nine to anywhere from four to six and then we because Israel's small 
dance companies in Israel tour a lot. So maybe we'd have only a few performances actually in Beersheba. The majority of our performances happened all around the country. So we could be leaving, getting on a bus at 6 a.m., going and performing a show for kids, and then later in the day performing um, a show in front of a big audience at night. It really depends, but it's pretty intensive. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't know, because I had to do research. <laughs> I had to do research so that I would somewhat kind of know what I was talking about. And what a lot of people don't know is how athletic it is, how in shape, just how rock solid. And that's probably the worst phrase to use, but, but how physiologically you need to be just rock solid, not only in, because there's the, I was watching this one. There's this, uh, connotation that that dancers eat nothing that they they uh what is it leaves they eat like rabbits and that's not the case at all you can't fuel that you don't actually have the ability you're athletes so like yeah athlete i mean you have to be conscious for sure there's there's a body standard in dance that you have to adhere to but for the most part the amount of work you're doing every day you're not really thinking about that in if you're in the middle of full-time work you're thinking about what's going to give me enough energy enough protein enough carbs to get me through the day like it is you would so see the dancers awesome on break to hear you say that digging into piles of pasta like it was what what you we we love to eat but you need it because you need the power and we're athletes and we have this mix between athletes and artists because you have to have the artistry of being a dancer mm-hmm. so it's not just you know really it's not just you know how can you physically do this but then you're matching it with the with needing this insane physical capacity to push yourself to do what choreographers and teachers want you to do good now all right so you before you had auditioned had you had you moved had you made aliyah yet or no no? so basically thinking back to the order i was at this kibbutz i came back i finished I did the audition. You, you, there's like an audition season in dance, so it's usually somewhere from around January to um, late spring. So I did the auditions. I knew I had the job around April, and then I moved to Israel in July of that year. Um, I still just came and was working for that year um, with the dance company, and then um, after when I decided that I wanted to stay here, after that full year, I actually made Alia after, and then I left the company, which is another transition, and moved to Tel Aviv. So how did that work? So you worked here. Uh, did you have to get any special visas or anything like that? How does that work? I had like a, it was um, an A1 visa. So it was, it allowed you to work. Um, basically, you were a temporary resident. So okay. it's time to decide instead of just jumping the bandwagon and deciding I want to do this big commitment to making Aliyah, time to decide. Um do I see myself here? Do I think I'm going to live here? Do I think I'm going to stay here? Um, so I decided that I wanted to start start putting my feet in the water first before I jumped in. Um, all right. And then uh, you made Aliyah. When you made Aliyah, were you working at that dance company or did had you broken with them? Not, not broken. Not, no, <laughs> sorry. That's the wrong phrase. I mean, had you decided to change to a different company or a different course. Path. Yeah, I already decided to change to a different course. Horrible wording. I'm so <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> we didn't have We're horrible. done with you guys. You're <sighs> dead to me. I no, think not at all. There are a lot of factors that maybe we'll get into it why I decided to make this transition. Um, uh, that had more to do with other things and so I I took the time to decide where I was transitioning to and then I um, decided that it, it was it was 
I have to be honest, like a very convenience thing. Like it's much easier to live here and be involved actively as a citizen um, than as a temporary resident. So I made no, that that's fine. Yeah. So then you decided to continue your studies. Yeah. So basically, what happened was, um, okay. So <laughs> my I went back for my master's. I'm trying to think where's the best way to start. I went back for my master's. I went to Tel Aviv University. They had an international master's program in conflict resolution and mediation. And um, not seeing the connection right. at all. I, so that's I just the thing. where is the connection? Um, the connection for me had started a while back. I'd for a long time been interested in the the Israeli-Palestinian conflict um, in terms of the context of how people are living in Israel. And um, I had already, in my undergraduate degree, I'd majored in dance, but I'd already been minoring in political science, knowing this was something I was interested in. And during this minor, my first course was actually an introduction to peacebuilding course. And an introduction to peace building? Peace building, yes. That's so neat. And that's, that's cool. what I thought. And I was like, wow, this is something I'm really interested in. So I kind of geared all, all my classes towards um, peace building and conflict resolution within my minor and already started to begin researching, okay, what is this intersection between my life of dance as well as um, this peace building component? Then I let it go. Hold on one sec. Yes. So I was in the military for 10 years. Okay. So conflict resolution for me is very specific, but I am 100% sure that my concept of conflict resolution is not yours and may not be for some of our viewers and listeners. What is conflict resolution and peace building? Okay, well, that's a huge question. It's, if <laughs> you could even after the degree. No, I, I know. And there's a lot, there's still, as it's more of a new field, especially peace building, there's still a lot of... Um, discussion around w exactly what does this mean so there's resolving conflict in terms of just putting an end to violence mm -hmm. which is probably how most people think about it but um there's this idea from from galtung of negative peace and positive peace so it's not just about um ending the conflict it's about what happens like are you actually uh, paying attention to the root causes. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> the root causes of the conflict so that it doesn't cycle back. Like the ending violence is not necessarily ending conflict. There's a difference. And, and peace building, um, which was especially advocated by, by someone named John Paul Lederach. And he um, really pushed this idea of what is um, understanding how how to get multiple players involved this is not just about militaries this is not just about um you know high level government there's multiple tiers how are we also engaging with grassroots activism um, and then these middle players and how do we think in the long term not just ending the conflict now but what happens 20 years down the line and what initiatives are we putting in place to handle that so um that's the type of peace building that I'm working more within in terms of grassroots. You peace did building. a great job explaining it. Thank no, you. that was <laughs> you. You compressed it into an absorbable chunk. I don't, <laughs> edible. Sorry. Yes, it's it, it's an edible bit. Um, but all right. So, and you were at Tel Aviv University, right? So I that was the. At Tel Aviv University is where then I went back for my degree because while I was here in the dance company, there was something especially, like I said, I had this previous interest in it, but I kind of put it aside to focus on a dance career. And then being here, living in Israel, 
living in Beersheba, there was something so much more tangible about not only the broader conflict, but also especially relations between Jews and Palestinian citizens within Israel. And um, I felt that I needed to be taking a more active role. And to do that, I needed more of the tools. And so I went back for the master's for that reason and decided to put dance aside for the time being. And, and I really focus on, okay, what are all these approaches that we can make to conflict resolution that the program offers you from political to socio-psychological, even faith perspectives on conflict resolution. And I was, I was trying to get away from the dance and get the theory. And every time <laughs> I kept approaching it from, from a dancer mindset, from a dance perspective, oh, there's so many things that in dance, which is so inherently relational, you're, you're dealing with conflict in in its own way every day conflict between navigating the space navigating the relationship within yourself or within between and between people and so that kept coming back into it and then I decided this is really what I want to focus on um and that's that's the connection that somehow came for me we got there. there that integrating dance into a peace building um, framework now before we get into it because this is where you're going to start talking about minds in motion you when we're at Ulpan a bunch of us kept trying to get you to come out and do stuff and go on trips with us and you were I can't I have to do something you were involved in a couple of things and they weren't related to dance no, I, at that time, honestly, I was just working to make money. Oh, that's, all right. why. <laughs> that's what that was. Uh, uh, no problem. Um, outside of that, have you been involved in any other organizations or any other things before we go into Minds before in Motion? Minds in Motion. Um, while I did my degree, I was uh, interning with Givat Haviva, which is a... F- um, of uh, a nonprofit that focuses on shared society in Israel. And I was working, they have a center, um, an art center, and I was working with them to try to develop and integrate dance into their, into their programming, into their exhibits. Because um, basically in general, in the field and Israel, there's a lot um, more focus on other arts, whether it's visual arts or theater um, and music, especially in and not so much dance. I think there's still a taboo around dance and integrating. Well, even backgammon. There's a there's a big thing in Jerusalem right. with backgammon. They have everything. So I think that was really. I was there to help um, start a discussion around that um, and to develop. Also, we were investigating how can you use um, develop nonverbal tools for cross cultural dialogue with um, mediators who are training to help their communities. What, what can we learn from dance and dance ways of thinking that um, that will aid people to, you know, better pick up on a nonverbal cues? Because there's so much, like, there's statistics that sometimes even up to 90% of our communication is nonverbal. And so when there's no emphasis on that, then you're really missing something. So, okay. So then you're telling me that what you have in mind doesn't exist. No. I, I, <laughs> no, that's good. I think it's there and there's lots of people. Um, and now, you know, over the past few years, I've lot, worked with lots of people who are now active in the field and trying to integrate dance. I think it just exists. It's uh, often under the radar and exists a lot less. Than not the for other long. Arts. No, not for long. <laughs> um, so, so we're trying to bring it more to the forefront. Um, and yeah, I well, all right. So now we'll move. So 
you are now the program coordinator for Minds in Motion. And Minds in Motion is everything that you've just been telling me about. Sort of, yes. So okay, <laughs> we're focused on children. Minds in Motion. So I'm the program coordinator for Minds in Motion Israel, which is a project within Minds in Motion, which is the um, outreach initiative actually of the Richmond Ballet, which is based in Virginia. And uh, Minds in Motion there is a means to bring dance education into the school day for um, fourth graders all across the state of Virginia. Okay. And I actually was involved in that when I was a fourth grader. It kind of sparked a love for dance in me. Yeah. So I have this really crazy full circle <laughs> um, thing going on. But uh, about 10 years ago, there was um, an initiative through the Virginia Israel Advisory Board, and they wanted to bring cultural programming along with um, other work they were doing, uh, make connections between Virginia and Israel. And so basically, uh, they new of Minds in Motion, they decided, okay, let's see how this can be an effective program here. And when they started working with the schools and with the principals here, they understood that this could, you know, have a really powerful potential here beyond just bringing dance education to school day, you know, to connect minds and bodies, to develop spatial awareness and relational awareness. But here it could also be a platform for cross-cultural encounter. So really it was through the principals here that this, this initiative took this shape. Mm-hmm recognizing the needs they had within their own communities. And we started working at the time with a school in um, Beit Yitzchak and Emekefer and a school in uh, Kalantua. And um, what are the age groups of these schools? We work generally with fourth graders or fifth graders, which is Kita Dalit or Kita He. And um, it's usually trying to pair communities that are nearby I should probably take a step back. That's and, okay. Um, no problem. Basically, within Israel, uh, there's there's a lot of divides, but there's a big divide within the education system. Um, Jewish citizens and Palestinian citizens live, uh, live separately often um, and also go to school separately. The Jewish students study in Arabic and Palestinian citizens study in... Oh, sorry. Jewish <laughs> citizens study in Hebrew. <laughs> That'd be quite hey. unique. That would be, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's okay. Studies, no problem. Students studying Arabic. And and there's no opportunity to really meet the other. Um, and this fosters a lot of um, not only divides, but also ingrained stereotypes and prejudices. And so that's why this idea of having these encounter programs, opportunities to meet each other, um, eventually there needs to be a step past that where you engage in dialogue. You try to address the imbalances in society and inequalities but at the moment especially for young children um the arts are a really unique way to create a platform to create a shared language for students to come together and that's what we focus on in minds motion israel is using dance to build that shared interest build that shared language this innate language of movement um to create connections to create relationships to break down divides and how long are these programs? Are they throughout the school year or are they uh, little workshops that are done or how does that work? They're workshops. Okay. Now. There are two weeks. We have staff that are trained. We have a very specific pedagogy teaching style and the staff come over from the U.S. Um, and it's two week workshops. The first week 
is just with the individual schools really working you know to develop the student's own confidence in the material it's not technical we're doing like creative movements you can um, really connect with both boys and girls Um, and the students don't even realize it but they just get engaged we don't give them the second to think about what Mm -hmm. they're doing they jump in and opportunities to find ways to work as a team within their own communities first Um, and then in the second week they come together for shared rehearsals for a big shared final performance that they have in front of both their communities. Um, They perform in both schools and both communities. And they also get to do activities outside of the workshop where we use um, movement and other arts to create icebreaker activities for the kids to connect. That's good. That's That's really good. (laughs) Um, Now, okay, so what I'm picturing is that this happens, are these after school programs? Are they during school? For us, it's very important that it's during the school day, just okay. like in the U.S. Every kid has to participate. So when I say it's fourth grade, if we are working with, you know, the fourth grade um, at a school, right now we just finished a residency with a school in Ranana and a school in Kalantua, the whole fourth grade participates. So that's um, 180 students altogether, approximately 90 from each school. Uh, everyone's that's, taking a 45-minute class every day. And then they're all together the second week. And on stage, it's really powerful because you're looking at 180 students and you don't know who's who. They're au- the audience is made up of both communities. And so that's kind of where the magic happens. What has been the response from parents? Um, the parents are always a bit tentative at first. Um, and and there's a lot of, you know, fear, I think, too, within within the parents. Both communities. Both communities, I have to say, especially from, from the Jewish communities. I think that's just the way it is, too, no matter what, in, if you have majority-minority relations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, and they're, they're like, how will the, you know, and also small things. How will the kids learn for dances? How will they manage to perform? How will it all happen? And then when it's really powerful when they get to see the performance, because now they understand what their kids have been doing you know, why they've been committed to this, why we dedicate 45 minutes every day to dancing. And um, usually afterwards, the parents are very moved. We wow. we engage the audience, too, in some dancing. And I think it's not only an experience for the students, but it's an experience for, for the really the two communities. Now, what are the... I, so this is Minds in Motion. Yes. And this is just in this one location? Right now, we work with four schools. Um, we have two residencies. We just finished um, the residency I just talked about, and now we have another residency coming up in March with a school in the Menashe region and um, a school in Baka Garbia. And uh, so we're, we're getting geared up for that. But um, we just grew, actually, from having one residency per year to two residencies per year. So now we reach around, you know, 360 students. And we're always thinking about how we can grow further but at the moment we have the two workshops now is there any thought into and 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 from what i'm hearing it's a successful program everyone's really getting a lot out of it um not just the kids but you guys as well um is there thought to establishing some type of structure building a location and having, well, even summer camps, something like that. I because think- I know that there, when the teachers go on strike, the parents in this, in this country lose their minds, just like in the, in the U.S. But 
when you don't have stuff for kids to do on both sides, it's an issue. Um, and it seems like just a perfect opportunity in the summertime to have something like that. Maybe camps. Has there been any, sorry, go. No, go for it. Um, it's a really unique idea that we, ha- we haven't thought of so much before. I think one teacher once brought it up to us cause they, for us, it's really important that it's, it's within the school so that it's seen as a, not just something you do after school, not something you do in summer, but this is important, like a subject, like math or science or history. Um, but I know some of the schools um, do have summer camps in terms of summer study. So um, I think that has been mentioned before. The difficulty right now is in terms of growth in general is mm-hmm. that our base is in the U.S. So, um, you know, until we would have like a base of teachers, a base of um, a foundation here, uh we really rely on when the faculty can come over from the U.S., when it's ideal for the school. So usually that's during the year. Um, and we, we really value the level of the of the teaching standard of how we teach. Um, it's something for us that is not just using, you know, having a counter, an encounter program, and we use the arts for that. It's really at its base. It's, an, it's, a, it's a dance program, and then that is facilitating the encounter. So having this artistic integrity of where, of what we value is also important for us and not just to grow, but also to think about how do we maintain that? In our no, that's, that's excellent. That's awesome. Um, okay. So, all right. Is that all that you're doing right now? That, that's a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, is that all that's on the plate for you? Um, no. Um, I have a few different side projects <laughs> so uh one i'm working with um with a team of other um youth of other young adults that we're trying to inestab- establish an israeli chapter of um an international nonprofit called global unites which also deals with youth and conflict transformation and right now we're exploring how do we make that a um what does an Israeli chapter of that look like? And oh, what is our priorities at the moment? We're starting just to run a pilot project. Now, before you go into what does an Israeli version of that, what does a version of it in another country look like? It really depends. Okay. <laughs> it's different. That's what's become unique about it. It's unique to the conflict context in any country. Um, uh, there are chapters in the U.S., but there's also a lot of chapters in Africa and Asia, and it really depends on um, on the conflict that a community is facing. Um, and because here we also have the unique situation, there's also a Palestinian chapter. So right now we're, we're the Israeli chapter, and we're focusing at the moment on the context of, of division or relations within Israel. So to go into what an Israeli chapter looks like, we're still exploring that. <laughs> but at the moment, we're trying to really engage how do we engage youth in because conflict also we're talking about this broad understanding of conflict so it's not just like okay how do we solve things or how do we meet each other there's so many levels of what conflict is and there's stuff that's at a really local level that's important too within individual communities so just a step of getting youth to engage so um, civic engagement within their communities how do we cultivate that and especially in a medium that connects with them so at the moment we're working with um, the idea of civilian journalism um, sharing about their community through their eyes and the challenges and unique um, issues or potential facing their community and 
using social media, specifically Instagram, as a platform to share stories and also connect with youth from other communities. Wow. Holy cow. That's but that's very, very much just at the beginning. So we're that's excited. That's exciting, but, though. That's yeah. a lot of fun. That sounds yeah. really cool. Dude, from the time I met you, so much has happened. <laughs> yeah. So much has happened. Um, okay, there's one more thing that I wanted to hit on. Um, by the way, all the things that you're working on are so exciting. Thank They're you. so exciting, and I am so proud of you. Thank you. Um, I want to... Go back a little bit mm-hmm. to when you, it, it, it would actually maybe even be a little bit before making Aliyah. So you, where do you come from specifically? I come from Richmond, Virginia. Okay. So <laughs> Richmond, Virginia is not Tel Aviv, is yeah. not Beersheba. So what are probably one or two things that you had to adjust to? You had to um, change your mode of operation um okay that was horribly horribly (laughs) framed i am so sorry um but yeah what are some issues you had to you had to deal with and and how did you address them so um i think i'd been used to living in um in a variety of different places even growing up in richmond my family was from from new york and new jersey so we already had cultural differences um, and then I lived in Boston for a bit. I lived in Indiana. So, um, the idea of moving and starting over was, was, um, less of a challenge, but I think there really is something when you move countries that there's a whole new cultural context. And, um, for the most part, it was exciting, but for sure, especially Beershev, I think Tel Aviv, it's a very international city. Um, you can get away with not speaking Hebrew <laughs> <laughs> the whole time you're here, unfortunately. Um, I think it was actually good that I moved to Beersheba first because it really, I didn't know Hebrew. It forced me to learn Hebrew. There was not a big American community to force me to reach out and um, really make Israeli friends, make other international friends. And, um, but overall, everything's very different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, just navigating the bureaucracy, I would say is probably a big thing that's very different between the States and Israel. Um, I think, you know, trying to get doctor's appointment, facing doctors that only speak Hebrew or Russian. <laughs> uh, so I think those were like frustrations that I learned, had to learn how, how things work here. Okay. And obviously you still have that. There's also cultural differences. You know, Israelis are very, very much, you know, direct and to the point. It's a point that can almost feel a bit <laughs> <laughs> intrusive. And so understanding how to balance, you know, what I still value of myself and, and, <laughs> my culture from the States and also adapting to, okay, but how can I still, you know, get my point across, get what I need done here. Now, where does your family originally come from? Like originally? Originally, originally. originally. <laughs> um, so my dad's family is originally from Poland, from Warsaw. and from <laughs> Okay, go on. That's from. And they left um, right before World War II. And then um, my mom's family, I think, is mostly from Russia. Um, they're actually Mendez. So they trace their family originally back to, to Spain and leaving in the Inquisition and heading to Europe and coming over. But wow. we definitely have mostly Ashkenazi. Now, do you have family here in Israel? I do not have family here. Aww. Um, do you find, though, with your background any connection with people who are from here, communities that live here already? I think uh, 
no matter what, if you're if you're Jewish wherever you are in the world, immediately there's some type of connection in in the history and the tradition and the culture. And I know that spoke to me from the first time I was here, especially because I didn't grow up in New York or Miami or L.A. I grew up in Virginia and Indiana, places where there's very small Jewish communities. Oh, I live I live 50 miles north of New York. I am the Jew in yeah. town, so I know exactly what you're talking about. So that about. was the, the experience. And I think for me, in a lot of ways, it was a beautiful thing to come here and obviously find a sense of belonging and have, you know, the holidays be the holidays that, you know, I celebrate and not having to feel like, okay, I have to balance this identity between American and Jewish. At the same time, it was it was a huge shock to my system because I was going from being this minority to being the majority and here that has a lot of baggage and yeah. with it. And also my understanding growing up, I grew up as like a reformed Jew, very involved in, like my understanding of Judaism was tikkun olam and social <laughs> activism. That was what it was. And good food. And then here, excellent food. Yeah, although I learned here that, that there's some some even better food. <laughs> um, but here it was really, you know, there's this whole conflict between what is being Jewish, like what's being secular, what's being religious, and and trying to navigate. Okay, before I identified, you know, reform religious, and here I wouldn't I be secular? Like what what does that mean now? How do I still balance? my my jewish identity and what judaism means here so i think those were the biggest probably cultural differences in terms of it gave me a lot of opportunities i didn't have in the states but also it posed a lot of new conflicts for me to figure out for myself that brings me actually to something that i just thought of um how do do you have um religious kids in some of your programs uh we don't have religious Jewish kids. We have no Orthodox community we work with. We do have um, kids within the Muslim community that I, I think most, the areas that we work with, Kalantua, um, most most people would consider themselves religious. Uh, and I think that's for sure something that when we first approach the schools, the question of, of dance, um, it really has to be discussed. And for us, dance is more in the terms of creative movement is how we present. We're not doing one-on-one -on -one contact. This is a way to express yourselves. Like the Palestinian community here has a really rich experience with dance in terms of traditional dance, Dapke. They have um, a really beautiful tradition of dance in their community. Really? Yes. That's awesome. It's amazing to look into. But um, I think that you, we have, we still have the, the question always of, um, of where does dance and religion um, intermix. But, we don't have Orthodox communities that we work with. Okay. Um, because that was one of that, that was in line with something else I wanted to ask, which was what are some of the difficulties that you run into with the, pro do you run into any difficulties? Do you run into any, you know, I mean, I, you have the kid who, and the only thing I can think of, and this is totally unrelated, but the kid who goes to the soccer coach about their kid every 25 minutes during a game, um, since it's during the school day, you're not going to have something like that, but you may have something else. Um, so luckily, usually we, the schools, we have to have a principal who very much believes in the program and um, who also has a parent body that believes in the program and the values of the program. And if not, it can't be effective. So um, have you run into that? 
We have. We had we had a school that we worked with um, for the whole first eight years of the program, and um, and I said they were the, really the ones who shaped the program, and we had a principals who at first who were very much on board with it. And we had a school who we originally worked with in Kalanto, a different school. And in both those schools, the principals switched. And after it was no longer a priority, they were either interested more in STEM and math and science or um, or had other values within within their uh, education curriculum. And yes, once we lost the, the support of the principals and the program was no longer relevant to them. Um, sometimes in other cases, we had the support of a principal that we were recruiting and sh- they couldn't get their parent body involved so it's sort of you need to have this balance of having the community involved so usually we can't even uh, launch the program like after we get past recruitment then the challenges there are of course parents who nowadays I think parents are very lenient to let their kids decide what they want to do and don't want to do and so we really have to push especially if it's a new school to really explain this is a subject that I was saying before like math or science yes you don't choose whether to participate or not if it doesn't suit you there's a phrase in Hebrew is it'll bali (laughs) and the kids love to say it it drives me crazy so I'm like it doesn't really (laughs) matter if it doesn't suit you nothing is going to suit you know everyone but there's still always something you can learn from being involved and so that's kind of the, the the tactic we take in terms of that. That's excellent. That's good. Um, now, what are you guys doing to promote it, to have it? Uh, I'm trying to think. So my son used to go to this thing called Rec Center in our town, and it was this great rec center. They had arts programs. They had all these things. And every year, you had to fill out the form. And at the bottom, there was a check that you checked off. Do you want your child likeness or face to be used in any materials and I would always check it yes and lo and behold my son wound up on the cover one year is that something you can do with your program to show can you take videos of it and and maybe have uh are are you guys on social media are you on YouTube showing the program are you doing things to promote it yes I think um I think like any program, we we obviously take um, material photos and videos. We have a video that we usually um, send around when people want more information. That was a professional video taken not too long ago that really did a powerful job from um, adult perspective and the kids' own words explaining. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so about. neat. So that's usually our, that's our go-to, but no, I think no matter what we work on, you know, what was experienced. And we also really try to adapt for the experience of the parents and teachers. So every time at the end, we have a feedback meeting from them too, where we gain their input and we can share that. Um, There's a, we don't have our own social media because we're an initiative, a project Mm -hmm. within the Richmond Ballet. And so, but for sure, the Richmond Ballet is promoting us and advertising. All right, good, good. Um, Because I have a lot of thoughts about, you know, there are so many different um, groups that want an end to the issues that exist between the Palestinians and and the Israelis. And and I'm wondering if there are any ways that you can can get... um, apolitically hooked up with them which yeah that's just a worm's nest anyways um there's a bunch of programs within um once you get into the political sphere i think things are a bit complicated but um there are a lot the civil society and sector in israel is very strong and there was a big 
component of the civil society that focused on what we call shared society, mm-hmm. which we've kind of moved past the term of coexistence, of just existing side by side in peace, but more building shared society. How do we build a more equal society? How do we um, build like this codependency, this interdependency um, of really, you know, united, united uh, citizenship, uh, caring for the, each other and a need for each other. And um, like I worked with Givat Haviva, but there's a lot, a lot, actually an insane amount <laughs> of nonprofits that are focusing on these issues within the field. Um, then the question for us is, um, you know, I think partnering is always great. But do your goals align? And Goals and not even that how, like for us, what I discussed before about the artistic integrity. So often you can have a program and it's just a program. And because we really have these staff that we're all dancers that have been in a year of training, that that for us is a huge value that we think brings a lot to the program. And sometimes if you just become, you know, um, another not, program within a list not, of yeah, programs. It's, it's not what it I was saying before a summer camp. You want it to be something that's at, at par with you. But I think it is worth looking into how do we create more of a relationship or maybe an Israeli, like have an Israeli base within one of these um, networks foundations. That's awesome. Um, All right. Uh, Alexandra Zaslav, anyone? Everyone, anyone, anyone? Um, Finally, uh, in closing, do you have anything that you'd like to, uh, you'd like to mention specifically any? uh, Sure. Please. So, well, for Rides in Motion, we have our next um, workshop. I'm not sure when this is airing. Our next workshop is in March, on March 26th. Okay. Um, but if not, we have them every year. So um, you can check us out through Richmond Ballet, richmondballet.com, and see when things are happening in Israel to keep you informed. And it would be amazing. I think the most powerful way to really experience it is to see the performance, to see it in action. Um, even with a video, even with photos, you know, there's nothing more powerful, especially with with the arts, um, then experiencing it for yourself. So for sure, come to one of those. Uh, I'm also currently working, totally different subject. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into this. On a hackathon for social impact in partnership with Tel Aviv University's Masters in Conflict Resolution, Mediation. And that's happening in April, April 19th to be exact. And we are recruiting any master's students at an Israeli college or university, international or Hebrew programs that are interested in um, in the in the civil society field, in social activism, and would like to solve challenges posed by um, major nonprofits within the field. So that's another call out of something <laughs> totally different, but. <laughs> Also not sure if it's airing in time. But. No, perfect. Um, all right. So what I'll do is I'll put all of this, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, look down this in the description. I'll have all the uh, I'll have all the URL, URLs and everything. And if you're listening to this, you should be checking out the YouTube version. Um, all right, Alexandra. Alex. Yes. Thank <laughs> you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was great to reconnect. Cool.
שאת בונה כך Thank you. 